The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle, has got his man, and he's gone! Jason Swain, touchdown! It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag! SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Tuesday, new week. Ben McKee, Go Balls 247. I'm Jason Swain, live from the Low T Center studio. This is the week, ladies and gentlemen. This is the week that we have circled on our calendar 63 38 was the score November the 19th 2022 at William Bright Stadium here we go Ben McKee good morning sir good morning hard not to be fired up on this Tuesday morning big game this Saturday night inside of Neyland Stadium Tennessee's going dark mode, under the lights, prime time. I mean, it, it's it's now or never for Tennessee. Obviously, Florida was a huge game, but a uh, big game this Saturday night as they get ready to to flip the page to a October uh, that features three big football games as well. So uh, a stretch of, of four games here in, in total uh, that are going to define Tennessee's season and it all starts on, on this Saturday night so hard not to be pumped up uh, for, for this one on a Tuesday morning Tennessee defense of 2023 I just want to remind you of what South Carolina did last year 35 first downs 8 for 11 on third down perfect on fourth down, 606 yards, 453 yards passing. Spencer Rattler with 31 out of 38. Yards per pass, 12 yards, zero turnovers. Spencer Rattler, 300, uh, 438 yards, six touchdowns. Oh, yeah. You don't think these guys are going to remember that performance from last year? You better believe it. Fans have had this thing circled, going dark mode. I have, you know, made it clear uh, on, on this program before. I do have a little pet peeve about wearing alternate uniforms that have the same color as the opponent, but honestly, I don't care. It ain't that serious to me. I know how this team plays with that dark mode on. Woo-hoo! Kentucky game last year. 
electricity all throughout the stadium. And Tennessee handled business for, for four quarters in that, in that one, man. Uh, if Tennessee comes out and plays like that and they need they, – they, they, the dark mode helps them play at a certain level, I don't care, whatever. But that's just my personal preference. Well, they also beat down South Carolina two years ago in, in black uniforms. That's right. They did with the uh, with the white helmet. The white helmet. So, hey, for me, it's all about the win. It's all about improving. It's about playing better. I thought Tennessee played better uh, in, in certain areas on Saturday versus San Antonio. Obviously, there's things to clean up. Um, I don't know if you can go and point to a perfect game that's played. You're going to have mistakes. and. and um, you're going to see games where you are inside of an L-shaped ambush yourself and you set up a L-shaped ambush versus the opponent. So uh, hopefully that's the case this weekend where it's over from start, uh, but rarely does that happen and you're going to have mistakes. And so that was the case on Saturday. Several guys got banged up in this game. Uh, more guys got banged up in the San Antonio game than any other game of the season, Ben. So uh, the stats of Joe Milton uh, will be talked about this week. Um, he said he was fine. Josh Heupel said he's fine. Uh, we'll we'll see um, how Do you he believe feels. both of them. Hmm? Do you believe both of them? Because it, it, it doesn't seem like there's much to talk about there based off of what Josh Heupel said yesterday and and even joe uh after the game uh he he said that that he was fine publicly as well well uh, i just take i just take what coach hypo says with a grain of salt when it comes to injuries uh, yes uh i i i feel you there now i, I did kind of make this point on our post-game podcast at go balls 247 on saturday night Th- this injury thing w- with josh hypo i i feel like has been blown out of proportion uh, the last couple of weeks because of what is going on with, with Cooper Mays. There, there seems to be this narrative that Josh Heupel just lies to the media all the time about injuries, and that's not true. He typically just does not say anything at all. There, there's a difference between not giving information and lying about information, and he typically just says, oh, we'll, we'll see where we're at on Friday. That That's typically been his his go-to answer. We'll, we'll see what he does this week. We'll, we'll get him out on the grass. We'll, we'll make that decision on Friday. And he says, we'll make that decision on Friday because the last time he speaks to the media is on Thursday. So he knows that he doesn't have to give us a complete answer. And I know the Cooper Mays thing has been a little bit different. He came out Florida week and, and seemed to have had some definitive comments, but maybe in his mind, he thought that Cooper was going to play. So uh, I, I did want to point that out. Like there, there's a difference between, not giving information and lying about information. And he's just always not given information. The the whole Cooper thing has been, um, it, it could have been handled differently. Uh, probably better from, from, from the get go. Uh, I understand. I, I understand why we are at this point, but I think, at the beginning, uh, when Cooper initially had the procedure done and, and Tennessee announced it, uh, it was given off that he would be back in just a, in a few few weeks. And um, if on the front end, 
it would have, I guess, been kind of shared that um, he would be out longer than just a air quote few weeks. Then there wouldn't be this expectation that he would be back sooner um, than where we are right now, uh, fifth fifth game of the season. Coaches are not going to help the opposing coach prepare for his team. Like, period, number one. Number two, there's players that on Sunday and Monday, there's no way you see them playing. They're not moving around well. And then as the week progresses, they get better. Like, I've been through that. Where in 2006 at South Carolina, I I didn't think I was going to play. Honestly, I mean, I was there. Um, I went through meetings. It was just different than any other game that I played in. Mentally, I just I didn't think I was going to play. And that was like Thursday and Friday. Dude, Saturday, I'm playing normal, sna- normal snaps, normal reps on a Saturday. Like, I felt better. Like, I was, I was good along with the medicine. So that's part of it. That's not going on with the Cooper th- May still. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that, that Hypo put this in Cooper's, um, put the ball kind of in Cooper's court uh, and said that this past uh, week uh, versus the Florida week. Hypo was under the impression that uh, Cooper was going to play, and there's a reason why he was under that impression. Uh, and then when, um, Cooper did not play and couldn't go because of warm-ups, then I think Hyper learned a lesson there and was like, hey, man, I'm I'm not going to say that again and and make myself look like I'm not telling the truth when I was in the impression that that he was going to play. And that's why I think that's why this week the difference when when Hyper mentioned uh, Cooper, he said, Cooper said he didn't believe he could go. That's that's the difference. Cooper said he didn't go or couldn't go. So now it's about Cooper feeling confident about him being able to go out there uh, and, and play uh, and not risk injuring himself further um, and being able to help his team. So it's a, it's it's up to Cooper now. Yeah, and to your point of about – in hindsight, Josh Heupel looking like a liar. Now it's become a conversation that Josh Heupel just lies about injuries all the time. And and that's not true. He just typically does not give information uh, about injuries uh, up for public consumption. So I'm sure we'll see him go back to to his old ways uh, that that he kind of worked with the the first two years of just saying, well, we'll see where he's at on Friday. But going back to Joe Swain, like I, I'm, I'm not concerned about him missing Saturday's game, but I am in terms of evaluating the football game and, and and looking at some things that maybe Tennessee can have some success with offensively. I, I do think it's unfortunate timing uh, because, and I know it was against UTSA's defense, but watching Joe hit the burners on that touchdown run, my first thought was, I want to see Joe Milton run more. Uh, and and I'd like to see him use more in, in a quarterback designed run game. I, I think they need to utilize his legs more and, and get him out of the pocket. That would obviously uh, create some positive plays, I think, offensively. But I think it would also help the offensive line 
and maybe Joe not taking as many hits as he has at, at times this year. So uh, I, I think it's unfortunate for Tennessee that maybe they won't be able to to utilize Joe's legs the, the way they maybe would have used them more than they have in the past. And, and who knows? Maybe maybe they're still able to. I, I don't know how. Maybe Joe's not banged up at all. I, I have a hard time believing he, he's not banged up at least a little. Uh, if he's having an MRI done and uh, he he, he kind of looked the way that he did in the third quarter and got crunched the way that he did, I, I'm sure it's a, at least affecting him a little bit. Uh, not to say that he's going to miss the game or anything like that, but uh, I, I do think if, if you're Tennessee, you'd like to use him more in the run game. And now, because of what happened, I don't know if you, you will be able to at least this week. Well, he has this week to to get better. Um, he has medicine that um, he'll be able to use. This is a game where, especially right before bye week, you do whatever you got to do to win. So uh, I know last year versus South Carolina, uh, the the pre production or pre game production meeting uh, with, with Golish. There was not a emphasis put on running Hendon a lot. And that was after the Florida game when Hendon had a, what, 12 carries for 100 something yards and took a, took a beating. I think Tennessee was lucky that he did not get hurt. Uh, I think from that point on, we were really careful about when we ran Hendon on design runs. Now, Hendon doing his thing on his own, that's, that's something different. Um, you may have a pitch count of design runs for Joe Milton in this football game, but you may have to go away from it, depending on what the South Carolina defense is giving you. And they've been giving folks a lot because they're 14th in SEC in yards per game. They're 14th in SEC in yards per play. They're 14th in the SEC at pass defense. They're 14th in the SEC at tackles for loss. They're 14th in the league at opponents' first downs, according to Brad Crawford, 247. So if they giving you the Joe Milton run, uh, you're going to take it if that's if that's going to be successful. But I think going into the game, you, you have to be um, very aware of the amount of times that Joe runs the football, depending on his need. I think he's going to be all right. Um, yeah, I, I I do too. I didn't I didn't mean to make it something that that it's not. Did Did you have that thought in your head, seeing him take off on on that run? And again, I know it's UTSA, but he hit the burners on that run and and pulled away from some college football players at, at a good football program there towards the the end of that run. Did Did you watch that and think, oh, I'd like to see Joe use his legs more? Um, I wouldn't. I mean, I wasn't thinking that during the run. I was like, that's the Joe Milton from 2021 against Pittsburgh. Uh, Joe's always had that that straight line speed. Um, that hole was wide open. That was on the perimeter. And we've seen Joe kind of be a little hesitant running in between the tackles. Um, but that was on the perimeter. That thing was wide open. I think Joe saw it. His eyes got big. And he, he, he hit the hole uh, running full speed. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I do want to see Joe Milton run more. Um, if, if, if it's open, if we can, if we can do it, um, 
but it all depends on the game plan. It all depends on what South Carolina is doing. I think Ace agrees as, as well. Uh, Ace six five two hundred fifty five. Yeah, he's he's made his way uh, up in here. <laughs> hey, he's, he's, he's look look. He's looking for some chickens. He, he wants the chicken wings this week. He's looking for me um, to open the door, let him outside because he keep bringing the ringing the bell by the door. <laughs> like, dude, you you just been outside. Uh, that's what he's doing. Usually, I have the door closed all the way, but it was cracked, and he opened the door. I was like, uh, "Hey, man, you gonna, you gonna let me out?" <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll take our first break of the day. It's it's about that time, uh, anyways. Uh, here on the Swain event, eight sixteen, eight seventeen, on a beautiful Tuesday morning here in Rocky Top, South Carolina, Tennessee. Primetime game. Dark mode. Woo! Woo! The line. More in Tennessee's favor than where it opened? What is Vegas seeing that has some of the Tennessee fans kind of surprised? 865-255-03. Be right back. Hey, Knoxville, we all know the importance of mental health. Most people don't have regular mental health care. They often wait. Let's change that. Isn't it time we all consider our mental health as important as our physical health? If you are ready, Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. We are accessible, affordable, and available. You are worth it. Visit MindBodyKnoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment today. It is so good to be here with Charlie Pratt with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. And Charlie, you have a passion for helping and working with East Tennesseans. Why is that? Man, I was born and raised here in Knoxville. Uh, my family's owned a business here since the 1920s. I played football at Central High School and Maryville College. I'm just really proud to work in East Tennessee. What are you the most proud of? We do a really good job of meeting people where they're at on their financial journey. I've got clients uh, that are just now starting out. I've got clients that are in the middle of saving and doing a great job job and I've got clients who have worked really hard their whole lives and it's time for them to enjoy their retirement. It's my job to make sure their money lasts as long as they do in retirement and they're able to leave a legacy for their family. So with that being said, what are the next steps? Let's sit down and take a look at your financial plan. Give me a call 865-919-6468. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Guys, let me talk to you here. If you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low T. Schedule your complete health assessment at Low T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near Low T Center or you just want the convenience of an at-home treatment, Low T Center makes it easy shipping your treatments directly to you with the peace of mind of monitored treatment. Go to LowTCenter.com to book your appointment online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. I know missing the show live is a bummer, but don't fret. You can catch up on the podcast posted daily on the app, online, and on iTunes. Awesome! 
SwainVent.com Fueled by Dead End Barbecue Packed house Dead End Barbecue Friday and Saturday Before and after the game We missed you Ben Said nobody ever No man We, we missed you man We was hanging out on, on, on Friday Before the game Maybe one day when you get closer to town You'll be able to <laughs> Yeah, that's uh that that's the downside of people hitting us up on Twitter and saying, "Hey, I'm at dead end. Where are you?" And you you live somewhere to where you can get over there very very quickly. I uh it, it's a solid 25 30 minute drive for me uh depending on traffic. Jennifer Morris got your back. She does have my back. She yep. always has my back and she can have your back. If you are looking to move to Knoxville and, and find a new piece of real estate within the Knoxville area, she is the absolute best at her job and who she is as a person. She cares more about you and your experience, your family's experience during the process than she does about the actual process of buying a home. She wants to make your life stress-free. And again, I say it every every Tuesday and Thursday, and, and I will continue saying it because she is truly the best. Uh, my family uses her, and, and I continue to see more and more and more Swain event listeners uh, using Jennifer Morris when when they're trying to find some new real estate in Knoxville as well. So if if you're in the market looking for a new new place, reach out to Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams Realty. She will take great care of you. I agree. I agree, hundred percent, my man Ben McKee, Go Vols two four seven. Yeah, I want to see Joe run the ball more. I do. Uh, I, I thought I thought Joe. Um, Played played a good game, wasn't perfect. Can't really say anybody played a perfect game. Maybe Dylan Sampson, but I'm pretty sure there are some Jackson critiques. Ross. Who? Jackson Ross. Oh yeah, he did pretty good. Yeah, he was real good. But I have never graded a perfect score in my four years at Tennessee. Never. I've had good, really good grades, but never a perfect. Perfect grade. Never. So you play 50 snaps, 60 snaps, 40 snaps. I mean, there's always something you could you could do better. And uh, that was the case on on Saturday. Uh, first quarter was good. Second quarter was good. Mostly the end of the second quarter, Josh Heupel was not happy. Uh, you can always tell during a um, halftime interview whether or not Josh Heupel um, – is happy or not about what occurred in the, in the first half. So the end of the second quarter, he was not thrilled. Third quarter, no one was happy. Um, Tennessee allowed 14 points. Backup quarterback that came in, looked like Patrick Mahomes, man. Looked like Tua um, from Sunday against the, the Broncos, man. The dude was on fire. And um, allowed two touchdowns, 170 yards. Uh, Lil Mc, McCown. Owen McCown and uh, Tennessee did not score, but Tennessee in the fourth quarter handled business, created some turnovers, put up 14 points, extended the lead, allowing backup guys to, to go in. Um, you had a lull for the entire game against Florida, it seems like. You had a lull in the Austin Peay game for more than one quarter. Uh, Virginia game, you had some lulls. Um, you, yeah, you had one Saturday versus San Antonio, but it was for one quarter. You can't have an entire quarter of a lull. It's one, 
thing to have a, a drive or two offense defense, but you can't have both sides having a lull for an entire quarter. That is going to get you beat moving forward. Um, Tennessee is a favorite for a reason in this football game. As fans, it's easy to compare this offense to last year's offense and this team to last year's team and see where we come up short. That's easy. Duh. This team is not good as last year's team uh, at all. Uh, but college football is not good as last year's college football. The SEC is not as good as last year's SEC. And so take that in consideration. Um, but Tennessee, Ben, is a favorite for a reason. There's opportunities. But the one thing you cannot do, you cannot let Spencer Rattler get outside the pocket, scramble, or have time in the pocket because they got some receivers that could give up our DBs and our secondary some trouble because of their speed. But their offensive line, they've been starting and playing some true freshmen at tackle. That's going to be the case more than likely on Saturday. And Tyler Barron is one of the best sack artists in the SEC. We got dudes getting to the passer. There's your advantage right there for Tennessee. Yes, and and that's where this game has to be won, in my opinion. Uh, I, I thought the same thing about the Florida game. Uh, the Florida offensive line was was better than I anticipated, or performed better on that night, better go. than I anticipated. You said it. Now they they we talked about it going in. They they got their center back Kingsley, and he he made a difference. Uh, he he they just seemed to have a different edge and, and different tone about them in that particular football game. Uh, so it, it seemed like that addition was huge for them and. Uh, if Cooper Mays can play on Saturday, maybe Cooper is able to have that same effect. I, I think the most important aspect of getting Cooper back is is the communication part of it and avoiding pre-snap penalties, although pre-snap penalties should never happen when you're at home on offense, in, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, the, the, going back to the South Carolina offensive line, it's, it's not good at all. You, you mentioned that they're, they're playing several youngsters, and it would be very, very disappointing if Tennessee's defensive front comes out against South Carolina on Saturday night the way that it came out against Florida. I, I think it would be very, very disappointing. There is no reason whatsoever that South Carolina should push this Tennessee defensive front around. And, you know, even going back to that Florida game, they, they did play better in the second half, I, I thought, uh, against that Florida offensive line. And, and I do feel like that that second half defensive performance w was more indicative of, of what Tennessee is than the first half. I think that first half was was more of an outlier, and we'll see in in the long run if if that is to be the case. Um, but they've got to set the tone for this game, and, and you know South Carolina has has some guys at, at receiver that you you do have to be worried about. But I don't anticipate Juice Wells playing. Uh, and to be fair, I, I haven't seen an update on him lately. But uh, the way he was carted off uh, against Georgia, he he didn't look like he was going to be playing football. Uh, anytime soon now Xavier Leggett he he has really come on this first month of the season he he's a big time problem uh, at receiver for for defenses and and has played really really well to start the season but outside of that Spencer Rattler's throwing to former backup quarterbacks like they had to move Luke Doty the former Carolina quarterback to receiver uh to to try and help out at, at that position uh so it seems like right now Xavier Leggett is is the main one you have to worry about and then Spencer Rattler's turning around and handing it to another former quarterback and to carry on Joyner. <laughs> so uh, not not an ideal situation. Now, they did have a, a running back breakout 
uh, over the weekend uh, against Mississippi State, uh, the Williams kid. Uh, so maybe that can spark something for for South Carolina in the run game. But I think it just speaks to to the level of of play that Spencer Rattler is at. That despite limited resources on the perimeter and some guys being banged up, bad offensive line, he, he's the best quarterback in the SEC right now. He, he is absolutely the best quarterback in the SEC right now, in my opinion. Jane Daniels. Daniels? I think so because of what uh, Jane Daniels is working with and what Spencer Rattler is not working with. Jane Daniels has the best receiver unit in the SEC at his disposal. He has a terrific offensive line in front of him, uh, two big-time tackles that are protecting him. And I, I think if you put Jane Daniels in Spencer Rattler's shoes behind a bad offensive line with without your your star receiver, a lot of people think Juice Wells is the best receiver in the SEC. At least a lot of people thought that coming into the season, but he's been sidelined due to injury. Uh, again, you have Xavier Leggett, but that's pretty much it, and, and you don't really have much of a running game. So I, I think if you put Jane Daniels in that South Carolina offense, I don't think he's doing what Spencer Rattler has done. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's debatable. And I think that's a very, very, uh, good way of explaining it. Uh, it's always hard when you do that comparison. When we, we did that with Hendon and Stetson Bennett last year. Um, and we've done it so many times when we're talking about quarterbacks that play on certain teams. And if you switch them, what would their numbers be and how productive would they be? Um, uh, but listen, I'm not going to disagree with you. Uh, Spencer Rattler has been, he's been awesome. This has been the best he's played uh, his entire college career, and so uh, I mean, I mean, dude shooting, dude shooting free throws for the pocket. Like his his completion percentage is like NBA guards free throw percentage. I mean, it's it's really ridiculous when you look at how poor his offensive line has been for him. He's he's still been great, but it starts with that defensive front. They they have to be disruptive. They have to make Spencer Rattler feel uncomfortable. Uh, Tyler Barron's been awesome this season so far. Uh, Amari Thomas has been good. You'll get Omar Norman Lott back. I think Bryson Easton's been playing some some nice football. And there's some other guys chipping in as well. James Pierce off the edge going up against a freshman tackle. I like that matchup. Uh, so it, it, it to me, it, it starts and it ends with them. Obviously, there's a lot more that goes into the football game. Um, but I, I think they have to set the tone keep the crowd in it, and uh, I think they're very, very capable of doing that on Saturday night. Yeah, man. We got, we got to run the football. Uh, we got to be we got to be very intentional running the football. We got to hold on to our blocks. Uh, we got to block down field. We got to protect the football. I mean, one way you can protect Joe Milton, if Joe Milton's not 100%, man, is, is run the ball and be efficient without him having to run the ball. Um, man, we, we, we should really be able to, to move the ball on the ground, um, where South Carolina is going to try to win this game is in a quick game in the quick game. Um, I think it's important for our DBs to answer the bell, tackle well in space, be able to play the ball when the ball's in, in the air. South Carolina is not going to be able to line up and run the football. And if they do, then Tennessee has some bigger problems and probably shouldn't, don't deserve to win. But if you are, if you're on this Tennessee secondary, only way South Carolina wins, if you don't play well, 
you got to play well. And I love watching Danico Slaughter play the game of football. I'm glad he didn't play last week to give him another week to rest that toe because he's going to need that toe this weekend if he is going to play because we're going to need his tenacity. We're going to need his toughness. We're going to need his edge, uh, that dog mentality that he, that he possesses. We're going to need that versus South Carolina. The place is going to be rocking. Ben, doing the locker room on Sunday, uh, our guest was Dante Thornton. And, you know, Dante, it's no secret. Um, he he hasn't made the plays we thought he was going to, to make early in the season. Um, man, I had a good conversation with him. Man, dude's humble. Uh, he's coachable. Um, man, he's a really, really good dude. Like, Sunday he woke up and was like, you know what? I'm going to go fishing. Didn't plan it. <laughs> Just said, I want to go fishing today. Went to the store, got some fishing stuff, went fishing. Didn't catch a damn fish, but just wanted to go fishing. And um, I, I think I think Dante is wa- wants to be the best. He wants to make plays. Uh, I think he loves it here, and uh, I think he's pressing a little bit. And um, he's been gifted with some with some talent. And I, Chris Brown, and I was talking to him about the the atmosphere that he is going to witness this weekend. I was like, it's, you, it, it's unlike anything he saw at Oregon. I was like, you, he, in his freshman year, Oregon played at Ohio state. That was a big game. But like what he's going to witness Saturday is unlike anything he's been a part of. And Chris Brown and I was just explaining to him, like you thought Virginia game and this game, was a lot of people and it was loud. Saturday will be unreal. And that was before we heard about dark mode. Dark mode adds another layer to it. Yes. So another and, layer. And everybody will be drinking all day long. Everybody's going to be nice and, and, and liquored up. It's, it's going to be an electric environment in South Carolina. You know, Tennessee struggled on the road at Florida with, with pre-snap penalties. When South Carolina went to Georgia two weeks ago, the same day that Tennessee was playing in the swamp, South Carolina also struggled with pre-snap penalties with, with within its offensive line, with its receivers. Uh, so I, I would anticipate that South Carolina offense still dealing with those pre-snap penalties on Saturday night because, A, there, there's some freshmen that they have in their rotation, that they're starting a freshman at left tackle, that they have a freshman that's rotating in at, at right guard as well uh and some inexperienced receivers out on the perimeter i would expect for as crazy as kneeling is going to be i would expect for those pre-snap penalties to still exist for south carolina i would be surprised if if the crowd uh the crowd is going to do its part i would be surprised if south carolina handles the crowd noise well based off of how they handled playing in athens two weeks ago yeah, South Carolina had 11 penalties for 70-plus uh, yards in the game at Georgia, the first possession being they got a false start. Um, and so you know how that first possession can be on the road. We've seen it when teams come into the stadium on that first possession. It is going to be electric. And depending on what the defense does on South Carolina's first possession, uh, will determine how electric it will be past 
the first possession. I'm looking at South Carolina's second possession and did not have a penalty there. Um, their third possession, no penalty there. But they did have a false start in the fourth possession, um, but still was able to score a touchdown. But, like, it's hard, man. It's hard enough to get 10 yards on first down when you're backed up at your own 20, 25-yard line and it's loud. You get a false start. 15 yards is a lot. That's a, yes. that's a lot to start off with. So, uh, well, and then your play calling typically changes. becomes conservative. Oh, yeah. In, in that particular situation, maybe if you're at home, you don't go as conservative. But if, if they have a pre-snap penalty on first down, backed up in, in their own territory in Neyland Stadium at night, I, I would be surprised if, if the play calling didn't become conservative for that particular possession because you don't want you don't want that pre-snap penalty to, to spiral into an explosive play or a turnover for the Tennessee defense that, that sets up the Tennessee offense. Yeah, I mean, first and 10, you got to get three to three yards in the third to pick up 10 for a first down. You get a, a five-yard uh, penalty for false start. Now you got to get um, you gotta get five yards a play to get that first down. So uh, now you you gotta add a yard, almost a yard and a half that you have to get. Um, in addition, when you go out and get a penalty to start start a drive, so penalties will be very very important. Um, we gotta play play clean. Um, oh man, thirty eight minutes and no mention of Nico. Let's see what's on the text box. <laughs> We see. have not mentioned Nico, but as somebody on the text box mentioned Hold Nico. On. No, no Nico. Hold on. Seven fifty two. No Nico. Eight oh nine. No. No Nico. Oh, oh, oh. No Nico. <laughs> First thirty eight minutes. How about that, man? That's uh I, I think people are slowly starting to realize that that Joe Milton isn't necessarily playing bad football and, and that he's not the issue offensively. Man, I'm, I'm going to take this break, Ben. We're going to come back. I'm not trying to dive into the whole uh, you know, Nico quarterback talk, but like I was thinking about like Hendon Hooker yesterday um, and him coming over from Virginia Tech and the years that he had here. Uh, on Rocky Top. 865-255-03. Ben McKee, Go Ball 247. I'm Jason Swain. We are going back to, we're going to the Beatty Chevrolet text box uh, here on the Swain event. BeattyChevrolet.com. Stay with us. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865 865- 865 
312-566-3538. And remember, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Hey there, Swain Event fam. If you're currently renting and just about priced out of your place, give me a call. Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897. You may be able to buy a home and have monthly payments less than your rent. And wouldn't you rather pay your own mortgage than someone else's? Hope to hear from you soon and go Vols. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss stem cell treatment and PRP. If you have orthopedic injuries, you should give them a call. That's right, Jason. We specialize in regenerative non-surgical orthopedics. So we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints by using ultrasound-guided injections with stem cells or PRP. And this form of treatment actually stimulates the body's own reparative process and allows for healing of the damaged tissue. So, Doc, what makes your training different than others? Well, Jason, I've been practicing in Knoxville for 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. At Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own bone marrow stem cells or PRP. So in other words, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, trsportsmedicine.com, East Tennessee's leader in PRP and stem cell therapy. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. The conversation doesn't stop when the show is over. Follow the Swain event on Twitter and like the show on Facebook. How long are we going to call Twitter Twitter? We still going we still going to do it. We going to call it X or we going to call it Twitter. I I don't know. I I, I, I don't know. It's I mean, it's Twitter to me, but technically it is X. I mean, you, so you heard the rejoin. I, I ain't changed. I, I resent it. So I, I don't know. Well, I guess we're also going to see how long people stay on X or Twitter when this uh, subscription model apparently goes into place. I, I, I don't I don't know that a lot of people will be utilizing. Yeah, we'll uh, see. X and, and Twitter at that point. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's a very powerful tool. Um, it's you know it's by far my favorite, um, but we'll see, we'll see. Uh, let me go to the text box this this morning, and um, the text box is brought to you by Betty Chevrolet, BettyChevrolet.com. dot um, 
SUVs, trucks, starting at 995. com is the website, helping a friend right now uh, who's out of town. He got on the website, saw some of the truck prices, and was like, whoa, whoa, this is unbelievable. These deals are not like this where I'm from. I might have to make a trip to Knoxville. Do they ship? So go to the website, BattyChevrolet.com. All right, right quick. Last year, we talked about how special Josh Heupel is as a quarterback developer. The last two years, we've talked about this. When he came in as the head coach of Tennessee, we looked at what he did, Sam Bradford and Drew Locke and other quarterbacks, Dylan Gabriel and, and other. We we know he's a quarterback whisperer. We, he's great at developing quarterbacks. We saw what he did with Hendon Hooker. Two years at uh, Tennessee after coming from Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech did not want him anymore, um, but he came here and damn near won the Heisman. He was that good. Why do we have folks that this year believe they know more about quarterback play than Josh Heupel? In a few months, folks now believe that they know more about quarterback play than Josh Heupel. It baffles me. If Josh Heupel thought that someone else besides Joe Milton was the best quarterback for this football team and gave them a better chance to win, he would have played them. All right, I'm moving forward. Um Riley Vall says McDowell was looking like his pops. He was looking good when he came in there. Uh, West Tennessee Vall says, will you be a daddy in this Friday? We'll be in town around two. What's going on Friday? I don't know. Maybe. Well, I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but at uh, around two o'clock, you'll be almost through with, with, with your day job. Yeah. I mean, I won't be available too, but I mean, later that evening, who knows? Yeah, who who knows? Like being said, man, it ain't nothing but a hop and a skip to get over there and barbecue. I'm jealous because so, when when I, I'm so jealous that it's a hop and a skip for you because when I was over there on my birthday, that's the last time I was over at Dead End. Got the the Bernie Mac. You did, and the burn ins were as good as they've ever been, and, and yeah. They were so fresh and, and juicy and, and, and sweet. Oh, they were so good. I'm 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 gonna have to get over the dead end this week. You know, uh Tennessee baseball starts fall practice on Thursday, and uh today is the first official day of practice for Tennessee basketball, uh, who will be a top ten preseason team. And uh media day is, is next Tuesday. So my point in mentioning basketball and baseball, don't kill me, Nelson. Please don't tune out. I, I I'm just Mentioning it, it's football season, man. I know, I know, I know. But right now, it's 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 three sports season for me uh, because I have to cover all three, and, and so that means I'll be on campus more, which means I will have more time to kill in between, and that that's not good for for the dad weight that I've already been putting on because I I like to go kill my time at Dead End Barbecue with the Mac Attack or Bernie Mac. We ain't judging you, man. Yeah, my man, my man, Deezy. Flew in from Milwaukee and was at that end. Um, I was doing some yard work Friday evening and I went up until dark cleaning up. And I just happened to get on Twitter and I saw his message. And I was like, oh, what? 
okay, cool. I'll be by. I haven't, I haven't ate today, so let me let me go ahead and get on over that dead end barbecue. So we got a chance to hang out and kick it, man. And uh, it was it was cool to finally meet Dizzy, who calls in from Milwaukee from time to time. So uh, it was good to good to see him, meet him, break bread at dead end barbecue. Nila Mafia is on the beach this morning and uh, sending in really rude messages in the direction of C-Mac, which I actually find funny and like them. Clay says, when we are up 100, do you see Nico this weekend? Um, Like, I want to see Nico too when we go go up by a lot of points. I couldn't wait to see Nico – at uh, you know halftime, we were up thirty-one nothing. I was like, "All right, man, we're gonna go in, come out here in the third quarter, handle business, put up a next uh, another fourteen points, and then it's gonna be Nico time." Because I want to see him too. I want to see him just like y'all want to see him. But I'm not trying to force him in, like some of like some of us are trying to do. Um, and then when I, I can't saw, believe they missed that face mask. It's so egregious. But I'm glad you mentioned that because that's where I was going. Like, I want to see Nico behind the first-team offensive line. I don't want to see Nico behind the second-team offensive line because the first-team offensive line has his own issues. Why would I want to see Nico behind a second-team offensive line that I know has double the issues? And typically, when you see the second team go in after blowing out the opponent, the opponent doesn't just take out their first team. They keep their first-team defense in. So why why would I want to see Nico behind our second team offensive line versus the opponent's first team defense? Do y'all want to see him get killed? No. All right, I'm going back to the text box. Well, let me let me ask you this real quick uh, about that third quarter. What what were your thoughts on what went wrong with the passing game in that third quarter? Do you, do you think Joe was a little gimpy from from the hit that he took? And, and you and I were texting. Uh, there were a couple of, of throws that the receivers could have done better with their routes to, to be where they needed to be when the ball was going to get there. Uh, just what was your perception of, of kind of what went wrong with the passing game there in the third quarter? Uh, I thought I thought Joe's mobility was was compromised a little bit, so that might have uh, affected his uh, fundamentals and his accuracy. Uh, I thought he was off target some. Um, it was his fault. I thought the receivers dropped the ball or could have done a better job with maybe their routes being where they should be. Um, I'm glad we haven't had a whole conversation debate with, with people on the deep ball to uh, Chaz Nimrod. I thought that was a play Chaz uh, had to make and needed to make. I thought that was a perfect pass by by Joe. Uh, as a young player, young receiver, you, you kind of learn what it takes to be uh, a great deep ball catcher. And, um, it's a low percentage throw. I mean, I've I've been saying this on this program for for years for a reason. And uh, my man uh, Brent Hubs, who I do the show with in pregame, um, gave me some really good stats before before the game, as he does a good job of charting um, plays and tendencies and things like that. Uh, and this was before the San Antonio game. So three through uh, three games last year, 
balls thrown 20 yards or more in the air. First three games, Hendon was 7 out of 19. Joe, 5 out of 18. So as great as Hendon was last year in the first three games, right there with, with, with Joe. It's a low percentage throw. It's hard to connect on, which is why you see more intermediate and short throws. You're seeing it at the NFL level. Like You're not seeing a bunch of deep bombs being thrown at the NFL level. Like If you watch last night's game, the, the Rams were not letting Joe Burrow just go single safety, uh, see the Rams in single safety and just pick his poison between Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, even though Higgins had a rough night. Um, they wasn't too high. You have to ding and dunk us, man. You are not going to throw it over the top. So we're and seeing that's that, what defense has been doing to Tennessee too. Get Tennessee, but we're seeing it at the NFL level. Patrick Mahomes is seeing it. Everyone's seeing it. Patrick Mahomes didn't see much of it against the Bears, but everyone is everyone is seeing that. Uh, Riley Vall, does Thornton have a touchdown Saturday? I don't know. I hope so. I really do. I really hope. Do you so. think it's just confidence for for him? I know you I, touched I, on I it earlier. What what does he need to do to be the guy that a lot of people thought he was going to be? He's just, he, he, he's pressing. I, I think the hype was unfair, honestly. Um, we got, we got to do a better job with being positive about a player before they play a game in Tennessee, but not overhyping them to where expectations are through the roof. Like, Preseason, there was talk about him being just as fast as Jalen Hyatt, being a guy that could be here just one year. Phil Steele, when, when I asked him who's the one player that he has his eyes on that's going to be a breakout player, be a great player for Tennessee, he mentioned Dante Thornton. Phil Steele didn't get that out of thin air. Um, There was... Talk about Emmanuel Okoye being the greatest athlete at the tight end position, but ain't, he ain't played it down this year. Like we just got to be careful about overhyping because this is a fan base, this is a league. The where when you do that and you don't see those results, people are gonna assume that something's wrong with the player, and it's that's not fair. You got to go look at Thornton's numbers at Oregon and ask yourself, okay, well, why didn't he have more numbers at Oregon? I think Thornton, honestly, just, I just think he's pressing too much. Now, anytime you, you, you drop the ball, when the ball hits your hands and you're looking away, that means you're not locked in on the ball. Like you're, you're, you're trying to run before you catch it. He just needs to relax. Are you seeing anything fundamentally with, with him that he could be better at or, or technically sound? I just need to relax. He just needs to relax his, his it, it would be huge for, yeah, for Tennessee just, if, if he could become that breakout player that, that he is capable of, yeah. of being. I, I do agree with you. We, we need to to be better about hyping these these players up, and I'm just as responsible for, for that as anybody. I, I thought that this receiver room was was going to 
be one of the better ones in the SEC, if not the best in the SEC. And to this point, they have not been. Um, but Dante Thornton developing into the to the talent consistently that he is would be huge for this offense. And, and you kind of mentioned some of those comments that we heard during the preseason. I mean, those were those are coming from the coaches, not media members. Joey Halsley, Tennessee's offensive coordinator, called Dante Thornton a freak athlete. He he did not do anything to temper the, the expectations either. Uh, and then you mentioned Okoye. That was tight ends coach Alec Ablin talking about he has the potential to be the most athletic tight end to ever play the position. Uh, so with Thornton, it, I mean, it would be huge for this offense if, if he could, could find a, a nice little rhythm because he does have that, that Jalen Hyatt skill set of being able to take the top off the defense and, and, and being a, a, a matchup nightmare for defenses. Thornton is a freak of an athlete. I mean, he's he's six five. He can run. Uh, he's big. Yeah, like he's a freak of an athlete. But it's the difference between being a freak of an athlete and being a receiver. Like Robert Meacham was a freak of an athlete, but Robert Meacham had to learn how to be a receiver. And even when he got to the league, still had to learn how to be a receiver. There is a difference. And Thornton is learning how to be like a receiver. And he's going to be fine. I mean, dude, Jalen Hyatt had two years of so-so play. Freshman year was better than so-so as a freshman. I'll, I'll take that back. Uh, the Pruitt year, he was, he was pretty good as a freshman. A um, couple catches against Alabama. But the, but the next year wasn't good at all. Um, and then he had the breakout year. So, like, Hyatt took time. And this is Thornton's first year inside the system. He needs to relax. He needs to understand that, you know, he's he's 6'5", the uh, deep ball uh, versus Florida, where it could have been passing interference. I I feel like Dante could have went up two feet, caught the ball, um, used his body and caught the ball uh, more at – the, the highest point, but he's gonna be fine, man. He he's he's a, he's a good dude. He's coachable. He's talented. He's gonna be fine. He just needs to relax. And um, if there if there's a slight positive at this point, it, it looks like he'll be back for another season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, who knows, mate? It, for for Tennessee's sake, you, you'd love for him to to really come on these these last eight regular season games and 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 turn into a guy that won't be back next year via the draft because that, that means he, he really burst onto the scene and, and, and finished the, the year out really, really strong. Yeah, I share with him this, um, that it doesn't really matter, good or bad, what you do versus Austin P and San Antonio and Virginia. It doesn't matter. What matters in a place like Tennessee is what you do in games coming up. South Carolina, primetime. Revenge is on everyone's mind. A&M, Alabama, Kentucky. Like, what you do in those games, you ball out, 20 years from now, people will be talking about your performance. People still talk about Jawan Jennings' performance versus South Carolina. People still talk about uh, Jay Graham's performance against Alabama when he played. 
that's the opportunity that Dante Thornton has this weekend. And I just reminded him that, like, don't worry about anything that happened before. It's it's about now. And you got an opportunity uh, to do something great and have an unbelievable performance. All right, let's go to the phones. 865-255-03. Good morning. Who, who do we have with us? Well, hey, guys. It's Mike and Conyers. Mike and, uh, and man, Conyers. You What's up, Mike? Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of playing, I'm an old-timer. I, I, I used to talk to you guys several years ago. And uh, you may remember, I, I grew up um, watching Tennessee football way back when. But talking about a player who um, was didn't didn't – show that flash of brilliance and you know one of the all-time greats reggie white he uh you know he didn't blossom into the the lights didn't come on for him until his senior season all of a sudden he blew up but i mean his first three years was like okay what you know where's reggie white he was kind of highly touted coming out of chattanooga but um yeah he was he was something else you know it's unfortunate he had to play his first two years in the usfl back in those days he didn't have real choice and imagine his stats you know what they'd be right now if he had two more seasons his first two years in the league um because he was the all-time sack leader at one point as i recall i think he's you know he's been passed since then of course but yeah, Barnett. Uh, but yeah um so there's a there's a player who just a good example of how sometimes it doesn't the lights don't come on until or the fire doesn't get lit until late in the later in their career but college career <clears throat> but yeah i just wanted to kind of mention a point that I, I heard um, heard made before, and it's kind of obvious, but, yeah, you know, you get – and I went back and I looked at all the PFF grades um, for, the, for the first four games, and, you know, the offensive linemen, it's kind of it's kind of hard to look at some of those grades. But, um, you know, you get Cooper Mays back, Muvali lying to left guard, and you get um, – Jer- you know, um, Gerald Mincy has graded out well in just about every game. In fact, he's, in some of the games, he's been one of the highest. Um, it would be a huge upgrade to get those, you know, get that five in there and make, get that to be our, our starting unit. I think that would be a, a big help. I did want to mention um, one play, you know, in the second half, it was, they had scored one touchdown. Um, and uh, it was so they'd, we'd gotten the ball back. And uh, that was the, the series where Joe threw that pass that almost got, you know, was almost a pick six where they saw it coming and fortunately right. were able Yep, that's a little screen, exactly, the squirrel. Um, I think we ran a play for a few yards, and then we had a Joe threw a pass down the left sideline. I can't, I can't, it was either Caleb Webb or Chaz Nimrod, maybe one of the new guys, I believe, one of the young guys. And it was one of the rare throws where Joe was underthrown a little bit. Um, and I think he was just trying to put some air under the ball. And and it wasn't so badly underthrown that he couldn't. He, he was coming back to it, and he got run into by the DB. The DB never looked back, but they, they didn't pull the flag. Yeah, and uh, that was a big play because I mean that's you know that keeps that drive alive. Instead, they get the ball right back, and of course, was, you know, score again. But anyway, that would, I was just curious what what your thoughts were on that play. Um, do you feel that was just a missed call? Yeah, the, I mean the, th- the throw that was underthrow. Yeah, I mean, it was a missed call. Probably should have been, you know, P.I. Uh, I, I didn't see the pocket, uh, how clean the pocket was or how, how not the clean, how, how not the pocket was clean in, on that play. Um, to see if that was a, a reason for the underthrow. But the rest missed several yeah. calls in that one for sure, man. The, the face mask on Nico, that one. Oh, yeah, uh, and they're human. Cute. They're going to miss calls. But, man, that was, that was, that was in space. Like, it's, 
it's understandable when you miss holding calls sometimes um, down in the trenches, but you know, plays made in space where everybody can see it. I mean, that was surprising that he didn't that he didn't make that one. Yeah, because I went back and watched it. He never turned his head around. I mean, it was just like Kamal had, and you know, he got called for the same same exact thing. And it's like you know, geez, I mean, <laughs> just be consistent, you know. But uh, I, anyway, I you know, I, I'm not down on Joe Milton. I think Joe Milton still has a chance to have a great year. I mean, he's so close right now. I mean, like you say, a couple drop passes. You got that call right there that we just mentioned. Um, that shouldn't have been an incomplete pass. Because he was, he would have caught that ball. He's coming right back to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe is close. Anyway, that's right, Mike. Thank. thank anyway, I, I think this team has a great, great chance to have a. You know, we we got to get this game, and if we do that, you know, we've got. I like the way the schedule lines up. You know, we get a we get a bye week before Texas A and M, where they're playing Alabama that week, where, where we have a bye week. I mean, you got to love that. Yep. Don't seem to see that too much. Usually, it's usually both teams have the same bye week, but anyway. All right, guys. Love it. Talk to you later. Okay, thank you so much. I I, I really like that call from from Mike. Uh, I, I really like his point about the offensive line. I, I do think there's reason for a little bit of optimism with, with the future of the offensive line moving forward. Uh, if, if Cooper can can get back uh, this week, and and I really really think he'll help from a communication standpoint. And, and I'm still worried about him kind of being thrown into the mix the, this weekend without having contact for like the last two months, we talked about that prior to the season, that that's going to be something I'll be keeping a close eye on on Saturday. And he'll be going up against some, some veteran uh, defensive tackles for South Carolina, uh, Tonka Hemingway, which is just a terrific name. Uh, and then Alex Huntley, who was actually uh, the SEC defensive lineman of the week this week, because I think he had two sacks uh, against Mississippi state over the weekend. So uh, it, it'll be a tall task for Cooper right off the bat. Uh, but if you can get Cooper back into the mix consistently and, and he's playing at the level he's capable of, and, and if Gerald Mincy can get out of his own way, which, yes, I'll believe it when I see it, but there is an upgrade at right tackle when Gerald Mincy is in there, in my opinion. Uh, and left guard has been something that has not been enjoyable to watch from my perspective. So maybe sliding Ali Lane over there helps that spot out as well. But I, I, I think that this offensive line can take a step forward, Swain, if you can get uh, those two guys going, Cooper Mays and, and Gerald Mincy. And, and then I think Ollie Lane's better suited at, at left guard than Andre Carrick. That, that's my personal opinion. I obviously don't know the ins and outs of, of O-line play, but I'd rather see Ollie Lane at left guard, quite frankly. Uh, but if, if you can kind of get those three spots more solidified, then this offensive line won't be the best in the SEC all of a sudden, but I, I think it can take a nice step forward from what it has been. Yeah, be better. I had to go look up Reggie White's numbers. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, no, oh, no, Mike. I mean, uh, freshman year, 51 tackles, 32 solo, two sacks, recover two fumbles. That ain't bad. Sophomore, led the team with eight sacks. Uh, Mike left the team with seven tackles for a loss. Uh, it's pretty good here, Mike. It's pretty good. I think, uh, Brian Hunsucker makes a good point on the text box. Reggie White had 17 sacks his first three years in an era that teams ran the ball the majority of the time. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know, Mike. And then, yeah, 32 sacks. Uh, overall, 19 tackles for a loss, four former recoveries. It's about it down several, seven uh, passes. 15 sacks in 83 was a school record. Oh, I mean, hey, I don't know, Mike. I do agree with the point, the general point that, hey, man, it, it takes time to, 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 to play your best. Uh, Reg White was always going to be a tough, tough example to use because he's one of the best football players ever uh, in, in history. But Thornton's going to be okay. He just, you just need to, you just need to relax a little bit. That's all. Riley Vall says, is Coop expected to play, but not start in y'all's opinion? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know the deal there. I don't know what to expect. I wish I did. I don't know. It's all on Cooper. It's all on Cooper. That's the best way I, I can deliver that. And being, I know you probably don't need to or want to add anything to that. <laughs> all right, let's go back to the phones. Good morning. Good morning, guys. What's up, Turkey Man? Hey, man. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. How are we doing there? Too good. Been a long time. Doing better I, now. I heard that. Well, I heard I heard that you want to be a, a daddy again. Ben. Yes. Yep. We uh we're expecting number two in, in March and uh should find out the the sex of the baby this week. So we're we're really, really excited. My wife is hoping for a girl, convinced it's a girl. Uh, I'm good with, with either or. I just want everybody to be healthy. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Hey, uh, a little bit on what you guys talk about there. It seems to me that that uh, Joe has been reluctant to run uh, because it looked like there was times that he actually could have run and uh, chose not to. And uh, I wonder why that is because he is he is gifted. Why, why do you feel like he's reluctant to run? On passing plays or running plays? Or just in general. I mean, well, I think, there's I think, opportunity. Well, I think, that, I think we need to uh, be able to tell one from the other because I think it matters. In the passing game, if you are a little reluctant to run, that means you're trying to deliver the ball to your receivers. Like, you want you want to throw them the ball. Like you want to throw the ball to someone else. You don't want to be the guy that always runs the moment the first or second read is not open. You want to be able to give your guys a chance to make plays down the football field. That's one thing I hated when I when I was playing here at Tennessee and Brent Schaefer was a quarterback. I knew he was special as a runner, but I didn't want to block for him all day. I didn't want to block for him. The thing about Patrick Mahomes and the thing about you know, some of the other great quarterbacks or Josh Allen type is, or any great quarterback that's a little mobile right now in the NFL is they're mobile. They're able to, to create and buy a little bit more time. So that way they can deliver the ball down the field rather than just running. So that's why I say it matters, Turkey, man. If we're talking about pass, I think that's the reason why he may be reluctant to run. But if we're talking about design runs and him being reluctant to run, then I think that's a whole, that's a whole, different conversation and that could mean that he a little timid 
Not sure that holes are open because offensive line hasn't been what it was uh, last year or what it needs to be. Uh, it could be because he's afraid he don't, you know, he don't want to get hurt because he knows this is the last year. And um, if he gets hurt again, there's a there's an op- opportunity for a quarterback to take his job again, just like it happened in 2021. So I think it matters, Circuit Band, uh, whether he's reluctant to to run uh, in a passing game or in a running game. Well, the reason reason I said that it appeared, and Coach Apple uh, Ben could probably maybe reach what I was trying to get to. It's not been too many press pressers. It might be a couple, two, three weeks ago, but I caught that he was he was indicated he needed him to be running more or wanted him to run more, something along that lines. I don't know the wording, but somewhere along that lines. And uh, that my point is, and I'm gonna get off. But my point is this: if he's reluctant to run in a in a read option, uh, and 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 the defense knows that, I feel like that they really, well, if he's injured at all, would be not going to sell out. He's going to have more opportunity to run this time uh, because of that injury that everybody's seen, and uh, if that be the case, so I feel like it's important that he runs when he has the opportunity to run because he has talented that way. Yeah, yeah. Man, I mean, anything to add there? Uh, thanks for the phone call, Turkey Man. Not, nothing too much. I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with, with Turkey Man. I, I voiced that opinion earlier in the show that uh, watching him take off on, on that 81-yard touchdown run <laughs> made me want to watch Joe Milton run some more. Uh, I, I do think that Tennessee should implement more zone read, read option type of stuff within the offense, and, and maybe they have been, and, and Joe just hasn't been pulling the football and and running. We obviously don't know the calls, uh, but on there that first go. play of the game, Swain, for somebody who, who doesn't know the ins and outs of, of offensive football, it looked like that was more of a zone read than anything Tennessee had run this season, and I'd like to see them put Joe in, in more of, of those situations to where they're having to keep the, the defensive end or the outside linebacker honest and force them to, to contain and, and set the edge. And, and if, if that defender does not do his job and, and crashes because he thinks Joe is handing the football off, then I, I think Joe could, could run for days. I, I don't think Joe is a great runner in terms of making guys miss like a Hendon Hooker or Josh Dobbs. But just straightaway speed. I mean, he can run with just about any quarterback out there. I mean, he, he's a freak athlete. He he can. We saw him pull away, and yes, it was UTSA, but we saw him pull away from college football players on that run. So I'd like to see them use him more in that read option game. Uh, and, and again, maybe they have, and, and Joe just hasn't been pulling it. But it, it kind of goes back to uh, what I said. I I think last week after the the Florida loss when there was the issue with the referee kicking the football and, and putting the ball back down. Like that was all correct. That play should have been stopped and, until they were able to reset there or whatever. But I, I think that everybody in the stadium knew that they were handing the football off and yes, you, you should execute better. The, the offensive line missed on, on some blocks, but I also felt like Florida brought more defenders than Tennessee could block for anyways, because they, they expected 
for the ball to be handed off. And that is something how you can counter that. And I think UTSA expected the football to be handed off because Joe hasn't really pulled it this year. I want to say that was the first time Joe, at least off the top of my head, it feels like that was the first time Joe pulled it in that type of situation all year long. And nobody was there to account for him because they were not expecting that. So uh, I, I think it can be great in terms of utilizing Joe's athleticism. It can also be great in, in keeping the defense honest and, and not committing everybody up front defensively to Jalen Wright or Dylan Sampson or Jabari Small. That That's that's one less guy that you maybe have to worry about in the box if they have to account for Joe keeping it. Yeah, you, I mean, you mentioned something that stood out, and that's, that's option to pull it. I mean, if it's a read, it's a, if it's a read option, then you can want Joe to run all day long. But if the read is to hand it off, then he's going to hand it off and not and not run. I, I do think you got to be careful. I mean, I, I understand wanting to see more of what Joe did last week, but you got to be careful in managing the times that he that he does run the football and is opening himself up to hits uh, too. Um, this is why it's important for him to take what he can get and know to, to slot and not take hits. But I, I don't think you, you just say, all right, let's 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 run him 15 times. I, I don't think you do that. Um, I don't think you run him 10 um, if you can help it. But if you have to do that to win the football game, then you have to do that to win the football game. I'm saying I don't think you're going to have to do that in this football game to win by running him yes. 10, 15 no, times. I agree, and I especially agree with, with limiting him keeping him on a pitch count, so to speak, and not, I, and I'm not saying run him 10 to 15 times a game. I, I just, yeah. and, and you're right. You know, the read option, you're, you're reading the defense. Maybe it hasn't been there for him to pull it down and, and run with it. Like, like I mentioned, uh, but I, I don't see why there can't be two or three times a half. Yeah. That Joe intends to, to pull it and maybe get out on, on the perimeter and, and edge. And, and if anything, just to keep the defense honest, I, I think that's as important as, as him trying to pick up yards on, on his own because then then all of a sudden, you know, six or seven guys just aren't fully committed to, to stopping the running back, and that's one less guy you have to worry about in the box. Yeah, yeah, man. I I, I do not disagree with you. Um, I think Joe needs, needs to be more of a threat running the football. Um, but I do think him as – a runner in the passing game and him as a runner in the running game uh, are two different things, uh, whether or not he's timid. So wanting to get the ball to your receivers is, I don't think, timid. But I do think if you are tippy-toeing and it's design runs, yes, that's that's timid. But if you're deciding to stay in the pocket, stay behind the line of scrimmage so that way you can deliver the ball down the football field, that's just you – wanting to get the ball to your playmakers on the outside rather than take it yourself. 865-255-03. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain. Don't go anywhere. Swain event, Fueled by Dead and Barbecue. We'll be right back. Hey, Knoxville, we all know the importance of mental health. Most people don't have regular mental health care. They often wait. Let's change that. Isn't it time we all consider our mental health as important as our physical health? If you are ready, 
Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. We are accessible, affordable, and available. You are worth it. Visit mindbodyknoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment today. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey, Vol Nation. This is Charlie Pratt, financial representative with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. Modern Woodman has been touching lives and securing futures for 140 years. Being born and raised here in East Tennessee, I'm honored to help East Tennesseans in all phases of life with retirement planning, investments, and life insurance. A big win on Saturday starts with preparation early in the week. A secure financial future starts with planning today. Contact my office today at 865-919-6468 to review your financial plan and make sure you are on track for success. As always, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodmen of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. Swing event hotline. Fellas, ladies, mental health just as important as your physical health. Mind body wellness in Knoxville. They can help you design a plan for your mental wellness you're not alone you matter you're worth it it's okay not to be okay and it's okay to reach out for help because there's someone that can help you there's a team that want to help you. That's mind, body, wellness. Affordable, accessible, available. Their website, mindbodyknoxville.com. Go to their website, schedule a mental wellness assessment. Don't wait. Do it now. I've experienced the benefits of therapy. 
uh, myself. Working through things, talking through things, asking questions. It's so, so helpful. I encourage you to do the same. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. Let's hit the uh, Beatty Chevrolet text box. Chipane says, is there a new rule in college football where a player with the ball goes out of bounds and the ref stands over the ball till defense can sub? I don't know what the officials were doing last game. I don't know what they were doing. We were not subbing, and there's an official standing over the football. I mean, we finally was able to capitalize on the tempo and players being on the football field trying to substitute. We caught them. Joe did a really good job of being aware. Romel Keaton ran down the sidelines, a perfectly thrown ball, got a touchdown out of it, and was able to decline the penalty. If we don't substitute, they should not be able to substitute. So I don't know what is going on and what went on that Saturday. Joe in Augusta says, love hearing y'all back in the morning. Got a brand new son rocking orange. Congratulations, Joe. We can't let him down this weekend. No, we cannot. Brad said we need to give Keaton the Sandman nickname to go with his touchdown celebration. That boy's been putting DBs to sleep all year. Yeah, I need I need to find out some more context about his touchdown celebration because, like, when when Steph Curry did it, that he did it when the game was over. He did it when the series was over. He didn't do it at the beginning of the game or the beginning of the series. Romel did the touchdown celebration versus Florida at the beginning of the game. And we wound up losing. So like, I'm, I'm wondering, is that like, is that every touchdown celebration or that just something that you do depending on the moment of the game? I think it's every touchdown because he did it against UTSA. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I saw against UTSA. We saw against Florida, but I'm wondering if he like thought that through before he made that his touchdown celebration, because the original creator of the celebration did it when the game and the series was in hand. That's what I'm saying. Yes, you're, you're spot on. And I had not thought of it that way. Uh, what he did not know is, is that actually that touchdown celebration was a sign of things to come for him uh, because he went night, night on the field on, on that, on that deep ball. I know, man, he's, he's good now. He's going to be all right. Uh, <laughs> that, Kelsey, Kelsey that Pope was at the uh, touchdown, touchdown club yesterday and said that everybody's going to be available and everyone's going to be okay. Well, Brew could have went back in the, into the game on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, he was available. Uh, he had his helmet on, but, you know, they're trying to make sure that he's healthy for, for the next game. That was a nasty collision with the turf there for Rommel. That yeah. that did not look fun. Yep. It would have been worse if it was uh, really turf and not yes. grass. Yeah. Uh, Chip Payne, another good example is Cordell Patterson, who's a freak who learned the receiver position. Yeah. He ain't learned it yet because he ain't playing receiver. Or he's just that much better with the ball in his hands at running back. Either or. But Cordell Passon, who is a freak, just it just didn't work out for him at, at receiver. But it don't matter. Put the ball in his hands and watch him work. 
we need this weekend to be the LSU, uh, be the LSU last year when everything clicked and we showed out and made the statement. Just go win. Well, hey, if you just say just go win, that's not that's not everything clicking. You don't need everything clicked to win. Because what what Tennessee did to LSU was more than just win. Tennessee beat LSU down, outclassed them in every phase of the game, outcoached them, outplayed them, outschemed them. Was ready to play early. That was more than just a win. I would love it if Tennessee had one of those games at home. Cause they cause Vegas knows something that we don't know. The Lions twelve and a half points for Tennessee. That's almost two I was touchdowns. surprised. That's almost two touchdowns, folks. Yeah. I, I was I was very surprised. I, I thought Tennessee would be a four or, or five point favorite. You you typically get three points if if you're the home team. And then I thought Tennessee would get an extra point or two. Uh, because I, I do think that they are better than South Carolina. I'm not, I'm not sure how much better, um, but I was surprised it, it being nearly two touchdown favorite. That that one I did not see coming. You know what's weird, Ben, is that I'm not disagreeing with you that you know that you think Tennessee is better than South Carolina, but Tennessee has not been tested except for one game, whereas South Carolina. They've played North Carolina, they've played Georgia, and they've played Mississippi State. They've played three D1 legitimate teams, and Tennessee's only played one, and we failed that test. But I do think when you look at the personnel matchups between Tennessee and South Carolina, it favors Tennessee, especially in key places, like in the trenches. So that is um, that's very, very interesting. Casey! Can't call in today, but I will be heading to Rocky Top for the game. Please get this win. Otherwise, I'm calling Jennifer Morris to sell our house in South Carolina. Go Vols. Nelson, when do you think we will get Peely back? Um, by, by the time baseball season starts. Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm kidding. What, early November, probably? Late October? Yeah, I think that's the timeline. Somewhere line. in there. That's the timeline, yeah. Raleigh Vall said, who steps up Saturday on each side of the ball? Um, I like this game being a Brew McCoy type of game uh, on the outside. Uh, I like um, McCollin Castles or Warren have an opportunity to make some plays um, in the middle of the football field. If South Carolina goes to um, too high safety, and um, I like Jabari Small in this game. Defensively, I think Tyler Barron is going to do his thing. Omar Thomas, James Pierce, uh, those are the guys I'm looking at. This is an Aaron Beasley type of game. Uh, I don't know who's going to make plays in the secondary. I, I, I don't know. But those are the guys I'm looking at. Chip Payne says Romero has another celebration where he's calling someone on the phone. I love it. Dial it up. I love, man, that these guys are able to celebrate. Oh, 
last last thing right here. Someone asked. Let me get back to it. It was about Southern Cal and Colorado. I'm trying to find it. Our thoughts on that matchup and that game. Uh, while I'm trying to find it, I'll say this. I love Dan Lanning's speech to his team in the locker room. Like, I love it. That's, that's, that's what you have to say to get your team ready to play. If that's what you have to say, then like it's not a big deal. I love it. I will say that everybody, everybody's trying to get clicks because every football program has a social media account that puts out content to get clicks. So like everybody's trying to get clicks, but he, he said that because he knew it would fire his team up and that's what you have to do. Did you see what Oregon released yesterday? Yep, I, I sure did, which, oh, by the way, was for clicks in what Colorado has been doing. But all of us, yes, but it exposed well, Colorado, like all the did. trash talk that they were. It did. Yeah, it, it, it changed. I was actually about to bring this up. It changed the way that I feel about Colorado a little bit. I, I don't I don't see how and not necessarily the trash talking. I can ask you this, obviously, because you played and, and were in those situations. Was was that normal in in terms of like what was going on pregame warmups? Yeah, take the 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 stomping on the midfield logo the day before. Like to me, that was the most disrespectful part because it, it seemed like maybe the the trash talking before the game was typical pregame trash talk. Yeah, like like all of it, all of it is normal. Honestly, um, there's just not as many videos floating around a decade, a decade and a half, two decades ago. Like there are, but it looked like Colorado was going out of their way to creep towards midfield and yell at the Oregon players that were warming up. And, and I have not seen that at least. Yeah. Like that, that goes on. I'm telling you that that happens, man. It happens. I'm not saying it happens every game, Mm -hmm. but I'm saying it's pretty normal when it does happen because guys are fired up. Um, and guys talk trash. That video that Oregon put out made me say Colorado deserve what they got. Yep, like one thousand like percent. They got their butt kicked, and Oregon didn't let off the gas. And I see why. Like Colorado deserved to get spanked, probably even more than they did because of because of that. But all of it's fair. What Dan Lanning said is fair. Um to his to his team, all of it's fair. It's football. It's college football. And everyone's yeah. trying to get clicks. Everyone's trying to get attention. That's literally what social media is. I and and I like Dion. I, I've said this before. I, I think he's in this for the right reasons. Uh he, he believes that coaching is his calling and he he genuinely cares about the, the young people that he is mentoring. He's passionate about being a mentor uh to to the to the players on his team. Uh, I I genuinely believe that Dion is in this for all the right reasons. If if not, he doesn't get into high school coaching. He he doesn't work his way up kind of through the the minor leagues. And, and I don't say that to disrespect HBCUs, but we we know that Jackson State is different than than Colorado or uh, a, a Power Five program. He had to work his way up to Colorado. 
Uh, and and I think if if you're not passionate about mentoring and developing young men and and, and coaching, then I, I don't know that you you put in as much work as as Dion did coming up to to get to where he is now. So I, I do like Dion for those reasons, uh, and I do think that his confidence and and kind of how he's in, in your face about it rubs people the, the wrong way. That makes people feel uncomfortable uh, because I, I think we all have our our own insecurities, and it's kind of odd to see somebody so so confident and comfortable and and out there about it but you 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 kind of got what was coming for you on Saturday night against Oregon especially when you're you're appearing to go out of your way to step on the logo the day before the game on Friday and and one player kind of being what's that I think it's important to mention what one player was was on a video doing that I thought they I thought they showed multiple, but maybe you're right. Yeah, I just uh, saw one. I just saw one player doing it. So. Right, well, I, I have a hard time believing with, with the way that they were operating over the weekend that it was just one player. Yeah, I agree uh, with that, you. that 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 did that. That that that's that there's a difference between being confident and disrespectful, and there there's been a couple of moments, especially this past weekend, where it felt a little more disrespectful than confident. And I, I don't blame Dan Lanning for, for piling it on. I would have done the same thing. And I, I think that USC is is going to beat the brakes off of them this weekend as well. And not really because of how they, they've been acting per se, but just there there is a significant talent gap, and especially in the trenches, and they're probably going to get bullied uh, again, they need Travis Hunter to make those splash plays on offense and defense, and, and he's obviously not out there. And they're getting bullied in the trenches. That that's the the makings of a butt whooping right there. Yep, pretty much, pretty much. All right, man. Let's see if this line moves any this week. Um, no hypo. We'll talk uh, tomorrow. The teleconference. There'll be some players. Available today. Uh, is coordinators available today, Ben? No, not the coordinators. Coordinators are typically uh, once a month. Today it is Rodney Garner and Jerry Mack. Rodney Garner and Jerry Mack, and, and then we'll get some players afterwards. But we don't typically know who the players are going to be in, until we show up all right. because they, they're having to coordinate with classes and, and all that fun stuff. Okay. Well, keep your eyes open. Keep your head on the swivel. I'm, I can't wait to talk to Rodney. You know Rodney's going to keep it a buck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It always does. And I always, always will. Never have to wonder what he really, really thinks and how he really feels. It's an event fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. It's going to be 85 degrees today. That's the temperature. Forecast. That time of the year where it's in the the 50s in the morning when you're dropping the kiddos off at at daycare and at school and then you need a wardrobe change around mid-morning but it's getting cooler it's getting cooler especially in the morning temperatures are going to continue to drop and it's time to start thinking about your heating system you don't want breakdowns uh, to happen when the big temperature drop happens so Hiller plumbing heating cooler and electrical right now they have happy half off month where tune-ups are just 50% off. Just 50% off. That's not just, that's a lot. 50% off, that's half. Making it easier for you than ever to tackle those necessary home replacements. 
50% off select add-on items. Go to the website, happyhealer.com. Healers work is backed by their happy you'll be or service is free guaranteed. And for Ben McKee, I'm Jason Swain. We hope you have a great, wonderful uh, rest of your day. We hope it's wonderful. Swain Events, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Peace and love.